when witches go riding and black cats are seen, the moon laughs and whispers, "'Tis near Halloween." If you like to learn, but lack enough time, to locate the reason or translate the rhyme, with magical knowledge from ancient tomes on the shelf, I bring Halloween topics to geek thyself. Hello everyone, I'm Heather and I'll be your host for this podcast. Halloween is my favorite holiday and my favorite spooky time of the year. So park your broom at the door and listen for a spell as I brew up some Halloween topics for this week and the rest of October. Hi everyone, so if you read the title of this week's episode, or caught my episode last week, or listened to the intro all the way through, then you already know that this week and for all of October, I'm going to be doing different Halloween topics for all of my episodes, because Halloween is absolutely my favorite holiday. I love it. Always have loved it since I was a kid. And this week in particular, I'm going to be talking about Halloween celebrations around the world. Now, I do want to be clear, just in case there's any confusion, Halloween in the version we know it as here in America is very much an American holiday. We have taken it and turned it into what it is to a large extent. The basis for it comes from the Celts back in Great Britain hundreds of years ago, the ancient Celtic warrior tribes that were in Scotland and Ireland and everything. Their holiday of Samhain, which again is spelled looking like Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but pronounced Samhain, started off the whole thing and then they got conquered by the Romans and the Romans brought in their stuff and All of this is something I've covered in two previous episodes, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it. You can listen to episode 22 if you want to hear the origins of Halloween. And if you listen to episode 31, which was last week's episode, then you'll get to hear more about some of the traditions of Halloween, which also includes a little more info about the origins. And this week, I'm going to be talking about you know, like I said, how everybody celebrates Halloween around the world. But Halloween started in Europe and came to the U.S. from immigrants that came over from places like England and Ireland and Scotland, and then eventually over time became the Halloween you and I now know today. But because it is a European holiday originally, and because it then came to America later, not every country in the world celebrates Halloween the way you and I do here in the States. There are variations of Halloween, and there are also a lot of countries who have their own holiday which doesn't originate from Halloween at all, but is in fact just their own cultural version of a sort of day to honor the ghosts and spirits of deceased loved ones or a day that deals heavily with ghosts and spirits and magic and things like that. So while I am going to be talking about sort of the analogs for Halloween around the world, not all of these customs and celebrations actually started as Halloween. So please keep that in mind. 
I'm going to start off, though, by talking about some of the areas where Halloween originated. So in Ireland and Scotland, it is still somewhat common for people to celebrate Samhain. Now, they also, of course, have started celebrating Halloween the way you and I know, because it's become more popular and because... Again, if you listen to my previous episodes, you know that some of the traditions like trick-or-treating and things like that started with the original holiday back in Europe. So all of that came over to the U.S. and then we just hyper-commercialized it and it became a much bigger thing and spread very quickly. But the basic traditions of that are still very much there. And so in Scotland and Ireland in particular, you can still find people practicing Samhain. Uh, sometimes there's bonfires and things like that, so it's not always quite the same as what you and I would know. And of course, there are people who identify as Wiccan or possibly even witches. And for people who fall into that category, Samhain is a religious holiday as well as being a American holiday or depending on where they are, whatever their version happens to be. Also in Europe, but not celebrating Halloween the way you and I know it, is England. Now, England, of course, we all know where that is, but it celebrates a holiday called Guy Fox Day. For anyone who remembers the movie V for Vendetta, he, the mask he's wearing, the mask V wears throughout the whole movie, is what's referred to as a Guy Fox mask. So Guy Fox is a historical figure in England who, back in 1606, wanted to protest the king of England. He wanted to protest against King James, who was a Protestant. Now, for anyone who knows there are British history, I'm not going to go into all the dates and all the details, but short version is that at one point, one of the kings of England wanted to divorce his wife, who was a Catholic. In order to do that, as well as some other things going on, he broke away from the Catholic Church and formed the Church of England, which is a Protestant-based church. So it's not Catholic. Because of this, a lot of Catholics that still existed in England were unhappy. One of the things that happened down the road is that Guy Fox, along with some other Catholics, got together and staged a protest. He did a lot of it on his own, but he basically took a bunch of gunpowder and went into the tunnels under the parliament building and tried to blow it up. He didn't succeed, really, but he tried. And he was labeled as a traitor, of course, because he tried to blow up part of the government. And they executed him on November 5th, 1606. November 5th is Guy Fox Day. So again, for anyone who remembers the V for Vendetta movie that he recites a few times, and specifically, most people remember the beginning, which is, Remember, remember, the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I see no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. These beginning lines are actually part of a longer folk verse that became popular after the entire event. The publication of it it's circa 1870, so a couple hundred years later, because that's really when Guy Fox became what was celebrated, quote-unquote, at the Guy Fox Day celebrations. Originally, what happened is that the day they executed Guy Fox, people all over England burned fires, and they burned effigies of the Catholic Pope, and they also burned 
basically analogs for his bones. So they probably threw in chicken bones and beef bones and things like that. But that's actually where we get the word bonfire from also. They were called bonefires, which eventually became bonfires. So they started that way, and then about 200 years later, they stopped burning effigies of the Pope, and they switched to burning effigies of Guy Fawkes. Over there, one of the things you'll see on Guy Fawkes Day is that children in particular, but I think now some adults kind of do it or teenagers do it, they'll carry around effigies, which are basically mock-ups, fakes, like little statues that are supposed to be somebody, they'll carry those around of Guy Fawkes, and they'll ask people um, if they have a penny for the guy. And then people give them pennies, and it's a thing, and the kids keep the pennies, of course, and then those effigies all get burned in the bonfires later at night. And there's sometimes fireworks and things like that. But the entire poem, because it's not too long, so I'm going to read the whole thing, goes... Remember, remember, the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes and his companions did the scheme contrive to blow the king and parliament all up alive. Three score barrels laid below to prove old England's overthrow. But by God's providence, him they catch with a dark lantern lighting a match. A stick and a stake for King James' sake. If you won't give me one, I'll take two. The better for me and the worse for you. A rope, a rope to hang the Pope. A penorth of cheese to choke him. A pint of beer to wash it down and a jolly good fire to burn him. Halloa, boys, halloa, make the bells ring. Halloa, boys, halloa, boys, God save the king. Hip, hip, hooray. So... There's probably a melody that goes along with that, which I don't know, honestly. But essentially, that sums up what happened. Guy Fox and a couple of friends tried to blow up Parliament. They did not do it, and they ended up getting hung. And then there's that. And now it is celebrated sort of as their version of Halloween. It's obviously not Halloween at all the way you and I would know it, but Halloween isn't really a thing over in England. They have the Guy Fawkes Day instead. And part of this also is because after the Church of England split from the Roman Catholic Church, there was no longer a need to worship saints because there are no saints in the Protestant religion. And so because there's no All Saints Day, there was no reason to have an All Saints Eve, which is what was their version of Halloween way back in the day. So basically they had no reason to celebrate it, so they just stopped. And over time, Guy Fawkes became sort of their replacement. Another celebration that's held around the same time as Halloween is the Dia de los Muertos. So Dia de los Muertos is something that I think people are more familiar with, especially over here in California where I am, because we do have a very large Mexican-American population and also Latin American population. So we see a lot more Mexican heritage celebrated here than I think is present in a lot of other states. Now, any state that borders Mexico probably has their fair share as well. But I know here in California, we have a lot more of that celebrated than, say, Kansas, as an example, because... I don't believe Kansas has a very large Mexican-American population. But over here, um, we're aware of Dia de los Muertos pretty fairly, so I don't, I don't have first-hand knowledge of it, but I have heard and seen a lot of information on it because of California history. 
Because for anyone who doesn't know, California was actually part of Mexico until it was purchased slash taken by the U.S. Er, that's another history lesson altogether, but that's another fun fact. So there's a lot of Mexican history in California. And Dia de los Muertos is very heavily entrenched also in the All Saints Day and All Souls Day and All Hallows Eve and all of that because all of that that factors into the beginnings of Halloween, which again, go back to episode 22 if you want to hear all the details, but all of that factors in and because Mexico and Spain and a lot of other Latin American countries are, or, yeah, Latin American countries are very, very heavily Catholic it's also something that's still very much a part of their religion. And so Dia de los Muertos, it's actually three days. They do October 31st all the way through November 2nd in a lot of places. And they basically are honoring their deceased ancestors. They set up altars. They'll light candles. They put out the favorite foods of the people who've passed away that they're remembering. They have, um, if, there, if any of you have seen the movie Coco, which if you haven't, I definitely recommend it. In the movie Coco, they go into it a lot, uh, all the different little bits and pieces, and there's the altar, and they show all of the uh, different flowers and things like that. But it's definitely a very colorful, bright, beautiful celebration, and I think that's partly why a lot of people know it also. The imagery is so vivid because of all the color and all the skull imagery and everything that it just really sticks out. And there's a lot of candy skulls and little fruit skulls and things like that. Like breads and everything will be baked into skull shapes and it's part of the celebration. But the origins for it, if you go all the way back, are All Saints Day and All Hallows Day and everything because those are Catholic religions. So those got brought over to Mexico from Spain when Spain conquered. And of course, there some of the imagery, especially in the Mexican Dia de los Muertos, I'm assuming... Like some of the um, designs that you see on the faces and things like that of the skulls, I would guess that those are heavily influenced by local culture that was there also beforehand. I'm more familiar with the Mexican Dia de los Muertos. I don't know as much about the differences if you go over to Spain or to a different country. I'm sure every country has their own specific foods that are more common and things like that. But in general, it's a big celebration in a lot of south american cultures and a lot of latin american cultures it's not the same as going trick-or-treating i mentioned again back in episode 22 that they do this thing where children will basically ask for their sugar skulls and be given them and that's sort of like a trick-or-treating cultural tradition but it's not quite the same it's not the same as halloween because it's not a halloween based celebration Another country that also has celebrations that are more Catholic and religious-based as opposed to Halloween-based is Italy. Italy still celebrates All Saints Day and All Souls Day. They're a very heavily Catholic culture. And so for them, the time around Halloween is more of a religious situation and they don't necessarily dress up in costumes and go trick-or-treating. There might still be some people, especially younger generations, that see more and more American media who celebrate a little bit like that, but it's not the tradition. Traditionally, they're holding, you know, religious 
ceremonies or lighting candles for deceased loved ones and things like that, they don't really celebrate Halloween the same way we would. Because for them, it's not Halloween, it's All Saints Day and All Souls Day and... The Eve before is All Saints Eve or All Hallows Eve, depending on where you are in the terminology. And obviously they're saying that in Italian and not English, but my Italian, uh, it's non-existent. Um, I will say that I know one of the things they're, they'll often refer to it as is Il Giorno de Morti, which I'm probably butchering, so I apologize to anyone who's Italian or Italian-American listening to me. But it's Il Giorno, so I-L and then G-I-O-R-N-O, De, D-E-I, and then Morti, M-O-R-T-I. Okay, with that, we're going to go into our break, and I'll be back in a few minutes to tell you more about Halloween around the world. everyone. So I want to start off this mid-show break by going over what I'm going to be doing for my Halloween special. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I kind of teased that I was going to be doing something different and sort of special for Halloween this year. So since Halloween falls on a Wednesday, which is my air date for my episodes, I'm actually going to be reading a Halloween book. I got permission from the publisher and the author to read a book as my Halloween special. It's not a real long book, so I'm hoping that the episode will still be relatively short. It might be closer to an hour. I haven't actually done the recording yet, so I'm not 100%. But the book is called Mr. Boggarty, The Halloween Grump. And it is a book that is written for sort of middle school age, roughly 9 to 12 young adult book. I did that on purpose because I didn't want to read anything that could be considered more mature or even R-rated, to use a colloquialism, because I know my show is family-friendly on our network and I want to keep it that way. I also wanted it to be something that you all could enjoy with your kids if they listened to this show with you. Mr. Bargerty, The Halloween Grump is written by Tevin Hansen and it is published by Handerson Publishing. H-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N Publishing. They publish mostly children's books, early readers, picture books, and then also books for sort of middle school age children. Uh, It is a husband and wife who are in charge of it. Tevin is one of them, and then his wife, Nicole, is the other. They are very, very wonderful people. The books they produce are very, very well-written and really fun to read and go through. This book, like I said, is a young adult book. It's meant for 9 to 12. I don't think there's anything in it that would terrify super small children, but it's also long enough that they probably wouldn't be able to sit through the entire thing. You might have to read it like a few pages at a time to them or something like that. But I'm going to be reading that and recording it, and that is going to be my Halloween special episode. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, I'm going to get back to talking about Halloween around the world. Okay, so continuing on with our discussion of Halloween around the world, we're going to now go to Japan. Now, 
For anyone who's listened to some of my previous episodes that dealt with anything cultural or anything like that, you may have heard me talking about the fact that I am half Japanese. My mother is Japanese American, and so anything that's Japan related, I'm a little more familiar with than some things. Similarly, part of the reason I knew as much as I did already about the Guy Fox celebration in England is that my father is from England. He was born there. So those two countries in particular, those two cultures, I have a little extra knowledge on. So I'm going to try to keep this one to the point and not expand too much on it because I don't want Japan to take up the rest of my episode. But Japan has some celebrations that are Halloween based, but then they also have a lot that are not. So Halloween didn't really become a thing over in Japan until roughly the year 2000. That's when Tokyo Disney held a big Halloween celebration. And then after that, Sanrio Pearland, which is another theme park based off of Sanrio characters, and Universal Studios Japan, which is in Osaka, also followed suit and had Halloween celebrations because the one at Tokyo Disney was so popular. So this started introducing Japanese people to the American culture of Halloween because it wasn't something they'd really been exposed to before. Now, there are a couple of really big differences, though, between Halloween here and Halloween over in Japan. One of the big ones is that there is no trick-or-treating. In Japan, there's very much a cultural sort of belief or feeling of not wanting to be a bother to anyone. Being a bother to someone is a very big deal, especially in more traditional Japanese families and areas. So the idea of going to someone's house and knocking on the door and bothering them by asking them for candy doesn't sit well culturally. So they don't do that. They also don't do a lot of the haunted activities like haunted houses and haunted corn mazes and things like that. Those aren't really a thing in Japan. Japan has a lot of history of just general like year-round haunted areas, but also of having a, a lot of superstitions regarding different spirits and things like that. So because of all of these superstitions and, uh, you know, a lot of cultural belief of not bothering ancestors, not bothering people, not bothering ghosts, haunted houses are not so much a thing. But one thing they do love, especially anyone who follows anime and things like that is probably aware already, a lot of Japanese people of younger generations love cosplay and dressing up. So the costuming aspect of Halloween appeals to everyone a lot, especially in some of the areas that deal with the more otaku culture. Otaku, for anyone who doesn't know, refers specifically to sort of the nerdy, geeky culture. If you hear people saying, oh, I'm such an otaku, what they're saying basically is, I'm such a geek, I'm such a nerd, I love anime, and I love comic books and superheroes, like that kind of thing. So for them, the dressing up in costume is a lot of fun, and that's a big thing. And there are celebrations held by some of the bigger cities, places like Tokyo and Osaka and Kanagawa, those are areas where they're popular destinations for people to go dressed up in costumes and do things. And then all of the theme parks like the Tokyo Disney and Sanrio Pureland that I mentioned earlier, they hold big events that have to do with Halloween because it's become popular to get all dressed up and everything. The other celebrations that happen in Japan that have to do somewhat similarly with Halloween are the ones that I've actually mentioned before, the Obonodori. 
So Obon is actually a festival that celebrates your ancestors that have passed on, and sometimes you light lanterns for them. For anyone who has seen the second Karate Kid, where he goes to Japan with Mr. Miyagi, that dancing scene at the end when they're all in kimonos and dancing to traditional music and lighting lanterns, that's the Obon Odori. It usually happens towards the end of summer, which is, it's usually either in sort of like the middle of July or sometime in August. It partly just depends on the area you're in. And then what they'll do also during summer, especially in August, which is the traditional more spooky month for Japan, that's generally when school is starting to come back in session. They're starting to get ready for the new school year. Summer's going away. It's also when people will do things like um, end of summer traditions, things like ghost stories and getting out together and going camping somewhere and bravery tests. Bravery tests are this thing in Japan where children, er, the age varies depending on the area and also probably on the severity of the test. But essentially what happens is kids get together. They often pair up, but sometimes you're expected to go in by yourself and they challenge and dare each other to go do something that's spooky. So like I, you know, the bravery test for a group of middle school kids might be going into this one house that's been abandoned for a while and everyone thinks it's creepy or going into a cave or walking through a forest that everyone thinks is creepy and you're being challenged to do it. And sometimes there's staged events where they purposely have a couple of people spaced out in different spots to sort of create scare effects. But I think at least from my understanding of it, that tends to happen more when the, you're older. The younger kids, it might just be like, oh, there's this ghost story that such and such thing happened in such and such spot. So we're going to dare you to go there and do something, you know. So it, it varies a little, but that's a thing. Some other cultural celebrations that are specifically from Asian countries involve things which, again, did not stem from the Halloween that you and I know. So... Over there in China, they have something called the Hungry Ghost Festival. Now, I am not directly familiar with this festival, but I have heard of it. Essentially, what happens is it's an entire month out of the year, and it usually starts around the 15th day of the 17th month in the lunar calendar. So that often puts it sometime around September-ish. But on this 15th day, that's considered like ghost day and the seven month, seventh month in their Chinese lunar calendar is considered ghost month. And so they'll celebrate the ancestors. They put out food for them. They hold shows for them. There's parades and it's a big festival and it goes on for an entire month, an entire month, which is kind of what I'm doing now with Halloween. But I'm that's not the norm. I love Halloween and not everyone loves it quite as much as I do. Part of the belief for this Hungry Ghost Festival is that on the 15th, which again is the ghost day, heaven and hell and the realm of the living are all open to each other. And so there's Taoist and Buddhist uh, rituals that they can perform to transmute and absolve the sufferings of the deceased. So what this basically translates to is there's rituals you can do that will help absolve the sins of your ancestor. Or 
in a lot of Asian cultures, and China and Japan are no exception, but in a lot of Asian cultures, there is this belief that the sins of your ancestors can fall on you. So as an example, if I had an ancestor who murdered someone, I don't, as far as I know, but hypothetically, if I did, that ancestor's sin could then travel down and cause my current generation, cause me some sort of curse or bad luck or anything like that. So essentially, the belief is that if your deceased relatives have any sins that you need to cleanse, you can do it at one of these type of festivals where you're, you're absolving them of that and helping them to move past it. And that's something that is very common. I mean, it's common actually in a lot of cultural beliefs, but I personally know it specifically from a more Asian-based belief in terms of cultural heritage and inheriting the sins of your ancestors. You know, like, oh, well, this ancestor did XYZ and killed a bunch of demon bats, and so now this person who's in our generation is cursed and, you know, the demon bat spirit comes back and haunts the family. It, it's that kind of a thing. Those old ghost tales that you hear, that's where it stems from. And similar to China, there are a lot of other Asian cultures that have very, very similar holidays. There's uh, one in Korea. I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm so sorry. Chuseok, I think is how you say it. C-H-U-S-E-O-K, which is very similar. But I mean, Korea is literally next to China and across the way from Japan. So culturally, all of those kind of intermingled with each other in a way that they have influenced each other over the years. Uh, going way far away from Japan, there's also Haiti. Haiti is also the birthplace of voodoo. And so essentially there's a voodoo holiday which honors the spirits and your ancestors and things like that. The word stems from French, so as we all know, I'm going to butcher this horribly and I apologize, but it's called... Fet Ged, I think is how you say it. It's I found like three or four different spellings of how you spell the holiday, so I'm not 100% sure which is the most accurate. One version is F-E-T is the first word, Fet, and then G-E-D-E is the second word. There's also um, F-E-T-E and with the little accents on it, and then Ged, also was spelled G-U-E-D-E, G-H-D-E. It, it, there were several spellings, so I have no idea which one is 100% the accurate one because French is definitely, as I've said, something I don't speak. But it translates roughly to Festival of the Ancestors. The Ged are part of the family of the Loa, which are their gods in voodoo, and so they're spirits and they're very powerful. You light candles, you visit graves, you have a feast to celebrate the spirits, things like that. There's a lot of these that I'm giving more of a brief synopsis on because it was hard for me to find information and or because it's not what I'm as familiar with and I don't want to give you guys wrong information. So I apologize if one of the ones I mentioned seems like too brief a description, but I just I don't want to give you the wrong information. I want it to be correct and I'm giving you what I could find that I know is correct. Moving from Haiti to Nepal, in Nepal, specifically in the Kathmandu Valley region, they have a holiday called Gai Jatra, which is also known as the Festival of Cows. 
And basically, they're commemorating the loved ones who've died the past year. And what they do is they lead a cow, or if they don't have a cow, they'll dress up a young boy in a cow outfit and have him do it. But they lead them through the streets, and the idea is that they're showing these loved ones that they're commemorating, and also that the cow or young child dressed as a cow will help lead the spirit to heaven. This holiday is also celebrated usually sometime between August and September. It's based off the lunar calendar, like a lot of them are, so it's hard to be exact because it switches year to year depending on when the moons happen. And then continuing on, we've got the Philippines. In Philippines, they have a holiday tradition. It's, again, somewhat similar to Halloween. They're going door to door. And also the Philippines, for anyone who doesn't know the history, the Philippines were an Asian Pacific island that was conquered and sort of colonized by Spain. So because of this, there's a lot of Catholic culture in the Philippines, as well as the more traditional culture from before they were colonized. It's all kind of mixed together. But they have a holiday. I'm so sorry, this name is hard and I'm not going to say it right. Pang Ang Aluluwa. And what they do is they go house to house and they sing songs for sweets. So it's a similar idea to souling, which is one of the traditions from the All Souls Day and All Saints Day that I've talked about, again, in the previous episodes 22 and 31. But that's what they do there. Okay, and then last but not least, the last one I'm squeezing in before the end of the episode is from Poland. In Poland, they celebrate All Souls Day. So, you know, as I've previously mentioned, the history behind that one, you can go check episodes 22 and 31 for more. But they call it, again, not saying this right, so I'm sorry, Zaduski which roughly translates to Day of Prayers for the Souls. And what they'll do is they'll tidy up graves and they'll light candles and they'll offer food and things like that. And there's probably more to it, but those are the pieces I could find. So that brings this episode to an end. I apologize again for anything I mispronounced because I'm sure there's at least a couple of things I, I tried. And next week, I'll be back with even more Halloween topics. So tune in then. And I hope you tune in for my Halloween episode where I'll be reading Mr. Boggarty, The Halloween Grump. Thank you for joining me for one of our spooktastic episodes for this Halloween season. Please remember to check out all of the other wonderful shows and productions at nerdsmith.org. As always, you can find me at amethyst underscore magic, and that's magic with a CK on Twitter. I'll be back next week with another spooky Halloween topic for the rest of October. And until then, please remember to geek thyself. So you already love D&D, obviously, but you want to sharpen your skills as a DM or player, right? Enter Dear DM, a Dungeons & Dragons advice podcast where I sit down with your favorite dungeon masters and answer D&D questions asked by you. Natural 20 is nudist. Um... <laughs> <laughs> a plucked kanku. Uh, charisma. Dump sack charisma. <laughs> really? Great questions in the community today. Some really fun bits to, to talk on and expand on. So Episodes release every other Tuesday and are available at nerdsmith.org. 
or wherever you get your podcasts.